0: I'm so glad that you've taken the time to investigate the Scripture with me. This is a a great study. We're taking our, our moments, we're plotting along. There's so much information and we have to be very careful not to bypass um, the primaries of the Scripture and as they relate to our days that we're living there's been a quarantine in America, but also in the whole world, and we've never seen anything like this before. It should give us some clues as to where we are. Now, there are two main books in the Bible that speak of prophecy, although there's, there are, uh, many prophetic words, um, outside of these books, but the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation are the famous books of prophecy. Daniel will see things. He'll see images. He'll write down the visions that he has. And as we spoke about in the first lesson, his visions entail animals, descriptions. These um, animals describe nations. They'll describe kingdoms or powers. And in the days that Daniel lived, none of these nations existed In fact, at the end of the book of Daniel, the Lord will speak to Daniel about what he ought to do. I'm going to read from the New King James Version, Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. This is what it says. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So, Daniel, you're going to close this book and no one's going to understand it until the time of the end. We're here, and we can understand what Daniel was writing about. Incredibly enough, in our own time, the the images, the visions, the animals that Daniel described as kings are understood. The ten horns... That relate to ten nations the little horn that's coming out of those ten horns the Antichrist also known as the son of perdition um, all of that is understood today which indicates that we are at the end we understand what Daniel was writing even though he did not have a clear description he had never heard of England that was not created those that territory was there but that nation did not exist nor was Russia, um, nor was the United States, um, nor was all the other countries that are found listed. Um, they did not exist during the days of Daniel. So let's just investigate the first stanza of Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. If you have your Bibles, this is a good scripture just to kind of highlight the first stanza, which would be, basically half of that verse. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book, even to the end of time. And so that denotes that these visions are going to be understood not in his time, but at the end of time. Even to the end of time. Wow. The second part of that stanza is different. Um, it talks about running to and fro and knowledge increasing. So, what does that mean? This refers to traveling. Running refers to traveling. In fact, the word "run" literally translates as "travel" it comes from from the word "shu'at," and it means to travel or to go about as a mariner or a runner or a rower. In fact, uh, the example is as on a sea with an oar, so you're 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 paddling. You're running, you're traveling. That's traveling. Many will will run to and fro. And then knowledge will increase. So just history shows us that for the largest majority of human history, people walked. They rode a horse or a donkey or a camel. Um, then we know that there were boats, larger boats, chariots, carriages, carriages. Um, these made up the bulk of all human travel, this running to and fro, for thousands of years. In fact, about 5,500 years we know that the majority of all travel entailed one of those mediums. And then uh, comes the steam engines and then coal fire engines and trains and and then uh, propeller planes, gliding planes and propeller planes and then cars and jets and now... Um, super jets and we're breaking the sound barrier and rockets and rocket ships and all the world is running to and fro travel is all over the world and knowledge he wrote knowledge will increase knowledge has increased in in exponential ways we cannot even really fathom how fast knowledge is turning over um, Google's of bits of information can be sent in seconds. It used to take months for uh, a letter to travel from Europe to the United States. And then it was cut down to weeks. And then, and then, uh, from New York to Los Angeles, it could take a couple of weeks for, for information to, uh, to travel. In fact, there was a day, I don't know if young people would know this, you could float a check. Floating a check meant you could write a check and know that that check wouldn't be cashed for several days maybe even a week that was floating check you didn't have the money in your account but you wrote it anyway you sent it off in the mail it was delivered it was deposited to a bank and then that deposit there had to be there there had to be another written transaction requesting the money to be sent from one bank to another and by the time that bank finally cl- that check finally cleared it could be days, and then you could make the deposit and your check wouldn't bounce, which means that you would not have insufficient funds. Um, today, you just take your cell phone and you wave it over a little machine and it takes the money right out of your account. And, um, uh, it's just a quick, painless, and horrible thing to do. And, and then your money's gone. So, but there was a day when travel and knowledge was not as great as it is today. The first computer filled up a massive room with large plates, uh, large pieces of paper, I guess you could say, massive plates that you could, and, and, and and algorithms on, on those plates. And now today your cell phone is, is far greater than the first computers, your smartphone, which is typically smarter than anyone who uses it. So this information age is so Powerful and and we're receiving things so quickly this scripture is a clear indication that we're in the end of time travel and knowledge, the revelation of the nations, the visions, the animals all of that has come about. You and I are sitting at the end of time and and we're 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 just viewing this now we know that at some juncture. Uh, things are going to change in the world when when a third temple will be built. We know that's going to happen. But everything that needs to take place for the Lord to come back has already occurred. Everything is is in order. In fact, you could be watching this and while I'm in the middle of this lesson, the Lord could come back and we could be caught away. The bride could be caught away. Tomorrow. The next day. Everything. Nothing is inhibiting the Lord from returning. All the prophecies that need to occur have already occurred. Let me talk about prophecy for a moment and, and we'll move past this. Now, at, at our local church, I've taught this in depth. We've had weeks and weeks of eschatology. Um, I've done this many years ago and just recently, I think, um, even last year, we, we had a whole series of eschatology and that actually it was 2018. There are two thoughts that are erroneous or wrong that some people uh, uh, adhere to. One is called pure uh, allegorical uh, reasoning and the other one is called preterism. So let's just talk about the pure allegorical. Those are people who think that the Bible is made up of fictitious stories. Noah really wasn't in an ark, there wasn't a real flood and all of these are just examples like fairy tales. Um, that the Bible is is fictitious. Now, part of what they're getting that is that that they we do we do know that there are figurative parts of the Bible, figurative language. Um, when God uses human body parts to display some of His nature, uh, He'll use um, what we call anthropomorphism. So the Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Uh, or the describe the arm of the Lord. This is a human body part describing a function or a position of God. The arm of the Lord does not mean a literal position. It means the right hand of power. And so there are figurative words and language in the Bible to describe something that's that's real. But we do know that the Bible is true, and there was an ark, and there was a flood, and Jesus did die on the cross, and all of these things that happened, um, they happened as examples to us. The other group that, that exists are preterists, or people who believe in preterism, and that's the belief that everything um, that the Bible predicts has already happened, that none of it's going to come about. In fact, all of it happened in the days of Jesus. Um, so they believe that everything, um, that we know is going to come in the future, like the abomination of desolation. uh, And I'll speak of that in a moment is, is, is in the past and that's preterism. And of course, preter, uh, comes from the word past. So those are incorrect ideas. Prophecies have been fulfilled, but they've been fulfilled in our day. And prophecies are being fulfilled today, and there are more prophecies yet to come. But everything that needs to occur has already occurred for Jesus to come back. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about uh, logic and what's happening to us today. When the end time uh, takes hold of the world, it will make sense. Things that we, uh, were normally ad- adverse to. We, we would stiff arm. We would say, oh no, we're, we'll never do that. We'll never take the mark of the beast. These things will be logical and there will be a, a push for them. These things are going to make sense. Let's talk about money. Where are you going to keep your money that it can't be stolen? Uh, that you can't lose it? Um, or, when you handle cash or coins, you can spread germs. Wouldn't it be great to have money that would never spread germs and you could never lose? And you never had to balance a checkbook. Well, we have that now. We have online banking. In fact, we have other means besides currency like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency so that we can buy and sell goods uh, that has a value system all its own. It can't, it, it, it can't be added to. So it has its own, uh, steady value. What about medical records? Uh, what about medicines and allergies? And what if you're allergic to penicillin and, and you're incoherent and, and, and the wrong medication is given to you? Wouldn't it be great to have your own personal records of everything that's ever happened to you on your person and, and you never lost it? So you could do your banking. You could have your money present. You could have your medical records present. How about, how about all these kidnappings and, and amber alerts and people don't know where their child is. And what about all the records of the court system? And they have to dig up all these records on offenders or people. Wouldn't it be great to have them all on a chip? Well, this is going to make sense to us. How about facial recognition? China has been working on this. And and they've instituted social credits. So if you're a good citizen, you can fly. If you're a good citizen, you can take out a loan. It Depends on how many social credits you have. Now, we're adverse to this, some of it right now. But it's starting to make sense. And it will to the rest of the world. What if you have coronavirus? What if you are not, um, you're not susceptible because you've already had it? Or you have antibodies? How could we tell? So when you start to think about the mark of the beast you start to think about how this can all come about you realize that some kind of technological uh chip some kind of technological insert in your hand that's so easy we run our all of our items at the grocery store through a little scanner you could run your hand through a scanner it would it would pay your bills you would never have to have all these different credit cards you could decide which credit card you want to use by by just scanning your chip um you could know where your children are at all times you could keep track of everything and everybody and you never would have to uh worry about the right medications you would you would, wouldn't have to uh never lose your wallet these Technological advances are upon us right now. We are living in an information age. Knowledge has increased in ways we can, we cannot even fathom. And so when you read the scripture, this scripture was written thousands of years ago. It has come to fruition and fulfillment today in your time. Many people have asked me, well, when is the Lord coming back? Well, no man knows the day or the hour, but we do know the signs of the times. Jesus even said, you, you know in the sky, you can see when it's going to rain and you don't know the signs of the times. No man knows the day or the hour, but we know the season, the signs of the times and they are about us. Let's look at social order and what we now term as social distancing. Social distancing. For the good of everybody, keep your distance. For the good of everyone, Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Um, do these things for the good of everyone. For the good of society, the world shut down. For the good of society, every business closed. Couldn't go get your hair cut. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't go to certain stores. General Motors closed their doors for a period of time. And, you know, then they started back up making respirators. But think of all those places closed. What was it for? For the good of everyone. And when you establish a precedent uh, in law, uh, they call it um, stare decisis. And stare decisis is a Latin word, Latin words. And stare decisis means um, let the decision stand. So... If a decision has been made, it, it from from the courts, it creates a precedent. That's why when the courts are corrupt, they set horrible precedents. They 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 set benchmarks that other courts then uh, call up for their future or their or their current uh, decisions. So, stare decisis, um, that Latin term, is now in full display. We have created a precedent that for the good of society, you should have a cart and push your cart through your store even if you are buying one item. If you're going to go buy a, a thank you card, you push a big cart because that allows you the distance between you and another person. Go to the store. There's markings wherever you can stand. You can't just walk up on somebody now. You, you have, there's a marking. You have to stay in your place. And then the next person, then the next person and six feet apart where all of these things now, now they'll lax on this. This will, this will come down a little bit, but the precedent has been set. Now, where does that lead us? That leads us to other argumentations that have been going on for a long time. And we know them as hate speech. Now there is hateful speech. But hate speech is not against the law. And when it becomes against the law, it'll be for the good of society. When you start to see things being done for the good of society, it'll all rest upon what's happening today. Well, we, we, we all wore a mask for the good of society. We shut down our, our restaurants for the good of society. No one could sit at the same table for the good of society. We, We had to be six feet apart for the good of society. And what else? For the the good of society, we should outlaw all language that discriminates against anyone or any lifestyle. What's the next step after that? Well, anyone who preaches or teaches against alternative lifestyles. Anyone who says that abortion is wrong or alternative lifestyles or transgenders or gender fluidity is wrong. That's hate speech. So for the good of society, we're going to create laws. All of this is being, being done right before our eyes. The government has set a precedent that it can shut down our churches. Now we believe here at new life that, um, compliance with that, that, that order, that mandate was for the good of our body, the good of the church. The government was not telling us what to preach. So we have no regrets. In fact, we're praying, we, we realize that the Lord is calling our church and all of the, all of the believers to a deeper walk with God, not contingent upon a location. But on the dark side of that, the enemy can use that and will use all of this against the body of Christ. All these things must be. You have to understand it's not always going to be good. It's got to, it's got to grow worse and the world will wrap up. We are living in the last days of time. We are seeing the last days of time. So I'm teaching tonight about the attributes of these days. What are the attributes of these days? The attributes are very clear. They're, they're, they're a, they're a measurement of control by government. One world governments. Because what the United Nations could not do, what the League of Nations couldn't do before them, a one world government is going to try to accomplish. Peace on the planet. So what are the what are the great mantras of, of society now? It's climate change. It's global uniformity. A one world religion a one-world court. All of that has already been established. Um, Actually giving power to an individual to solve the world problems. In fact, the Bible describes a leader that will emerge. In prophetic terms, he's called the little horn, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. And he'll be able to lead the world into a period of peace. And... We pray that the church will be gone. I believe that we'll be gone. The Antichrist could be living right now. Can you imagine that the Antichrist could be alive right now? Maybe he, we know he'll be a fully grown man. Maybe he's an infant. Maybe he's ready to take the scene. Maybe he's already 30 years old or 40 years old. We don't know. But we do know that there will be a period of time when the Antichrist will come and will start to institute all these world orders. And it's very clear now for the good of society now let's talk a little bit about about the temple and the the temple well, it may not sound like that has anything to do with the end of time but but it has everything to do with the end of time the first temple was imagined and created at least in some kind of drawings and architectural drawings by david david planned for the temple he wanted a temple he wanted to build god a house The Lord did not ask for that, but he did honor David because of his heart and he wanted to build God a house. But David was a man of war. There was a lot of blood on his hands and also he had sinned. Um, And so he had recovered, but the Lord gave the honor to his son Solomon and Solomon built the temple. The first temple was built by Solomon. It took him seven years to build the temple. The Bible says there wasn't a sound of a hammer or a noise made. It was made so well all the pieces fit together. All those major boards, the cedars of Lebanon were brought in, all the gold, all the overlays, all those men who had been conscripted to build Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple lasted for hundreds of years until it was burned and tore down, and then another temple was built. And Zerubbabel... And Ezra and the prophets were involved, but it was much smaller. That second temple was much smaller. In fact, some of the older men were weeping because they remember the size of the old temple, of the first temple. But the younger generation were rejoicing because they finally had a temple. And we get that statement, don't despise the day of small things. God did a great thing in that day. But that temple went through uh, a myriad of of, uh, of iterations. It was it was it was torn down again. It was it was uh, it was destroyed. Uh, I want to just walk through a little bit of the of this of this um, timeline of this temple, Solomon's temple in First Kings chapter five, and through chapter eight, Zerubbabel's temple in Ezra chapter three, um, and then. And then also along with that second temple, uh, Herod expanded it. So then it was called Herod's temple, but it was still just the second temple. But the last temple, the third temple, will be the final temple. Um, and that will be associated with the Antichrist. And that third temple, you can find it in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, and Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. That third temple will be a place that is allowed by the world. So in Jerusalem right now, um, there is a place called the Temple Mount. On the Temple Mount are two massive mosques. And um, one of those um, mosques uh, is, is a holy place for Islam. Uh, it's not the most holy place, it's not Mecca, but it's a holy place. And there's been a continual argumentation and fight over the Temple Mount. No Jew is supposed to step on the Temple Mount. The Jews pray in the Western Wall, which was not the Temple, it was a wall. And it still stands there today. They have um, a segment of the wall to pray before. But there will be a moment when negotiations will be made and a third temple will be built. And the third temple will be exclusive. Inside the temple, only Jewish priests will, uh, will enter. I've been to Jerusalem many times, to Israel many times, and now, uh, when I go to the Temple Institute, um, we see replicas. There are, um, there are artifacts, all of the utensils, uh, to put into the third temple have been made. And in fact, a couple of years ago, for the first time, they admitted that they knew or submitted to us, they knew where the Ark of the Covenant was, that it did not need to be rebuilt. All the other things would be rebuilt, the golden candlestick, all the utensils, the gold, uh, all the tables, all of that has been rebuilt, waiting for the day that a third temple will be built. And knowing technology as it is today, it won't take very long for a third temple to be erected. And all those artifacts brought into that third temple. The Bible says that the tribulation period will, will, will begin. There'll be seven years. And in the middle of that seven years will become the great tribulation of, of torment. Um, and that will happen in a distinct moment of time. That's going to happen when the Antichrist comes, and he'll make a sacrifice. He'll kick out all the Jewish priests, and he'll make his own blood sacrifice. Now, you got to think about this. World leader, the Antichrist, solves all the world problems, brings peace to the world, and he can go anywhere. He can go into any office. He can go into any uh, government. He can walk into any room. The only place on earth the Antichrist will not be allowed to go is in that third temple, in that holy place in the Holy of Holies. And that's the place when he walks in and kicks out the Jewish priest and he makes a sacrifice. That's called in the Bible, the abomination of desolation. And then the world will fall apart. We're sitting here in these days. You're watching me today. And you are living in the last moments of time. Knowledge has increased. Transportation has increased. Um, all of the prophecies that need to be fulfilled have been fulfilled. All the nations are in place. The world is begging for peace. All the nuclear warfare, all of that. There's fear among people. Climate change is on the tips of every politician's tongue. A world tax has been promoted over and over again. It is going to happen. The worldwide government, one world government, one world, one world market, one currency, instead of all these different currencies, one currency, all of it under the banner of fairness and social good, it is coming now. People don't know what to do. In fact, even last week, there there there's a group of, of 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 parents very concerned they don't know what to do their their students their children have been out of school for a month and they're afraid that their kids are now behind and they're saying we're not educators we don't know how to teach our children can you imagine parents don't know how to teach their children because we've been told that unless you're an educator you can't teach <laughs> we've been inundated we've been we have been um maybe saturated, could I say, with an idea that we are all inept and that we need someone else to help us. And when it comes to global crisis, pandemic, when it comes to pandemics, there's going to be a need for a worldwide leader, one leader that can take over everything so that people don't die. It's reasonable. It's logical. So... This is not going to just creep up on us. In fact, this is going to come with understanding common sense. Wouldn't you want people to be... there? This is what they're going to say. Wouldn't you want people to be healthy? Do you want people to die? Why would you do this? So these precedents have been set, and we're looking right now at the end of time. That's why the Lord has given us this moment to... To change the course of our whole lives, to be more centered on Jesus Christ than ever before. I want to. I want to promote something here, and 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 it's not my own promotion. This is not. It's not from my own brain. Uh, this is not from my own understanding. This is just Bible. It's not about a denomination. This this last segment that I'm teaching is not about a denomination. But I want you just to, before I get into. it, I just want you to pause and. And make sure you have your Bible present. And I want you to make sure you have a notepad present because we're going to discuss a little bit because we about salvation. We have to know about our salvation because the world is going to change rapidly. It's changing right before our eyes. It's going to change rapidly. And you must be prepared. The part of you that will never die must be prepared. So just take a moment and gather yourself. In our second segment, we're going to talk about what the Bible says to prepare ourselves for the soon coming of Jesus Christ. On the second segment, I'd like to share with you how to prepare yourself for the last day of time. We don't know when that will be, but we want to be prepared. I'd like to share with you the gospel. Paul wrote that the gospel should not be changed. In fact, in fact, he said anyone who changes the gospel should be cursed, even an angel. No one should change the gospel. Well, what was the gospel? What was Paul preaching? Now, Some people talk about the gospel as the good news, and that's OK. As long as you know the real definition of the gospel, when you say the good news, it's almost like saying uh, it's almost like a cherry on top of the of the cake. Paul gave us the definition of the gospel, and we don't have to guess or wonder he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, he said, I want to remind you of the gospel, how that Jesus died, how he was buried, and how he rose again on the third day. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's share a little bit about uh, the lesson. Let's talk about John chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you should go to John chapter 3. This is a great uh, Bible lesson for all of us. John chapter three. In fact, let's go to the famous football end zone scripture, which is a wonderful scripture. But I, but uh, but it's written on big um, uh, piece of paper and 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 the notes there. And they put um, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is so true. This is the Bible. God so loved the world he gave. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now let's take that scripture into context. When it was spoken, and what came before that. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus. He came to Jesus by night. He's a Pharisee. He's a ruler of the Jews, verse 1. And he said... Rabbi, Master, we know that you are a good teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do, except God be with him. Those were pleasantries. The Lord just cut to the chase, and he said to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is thinking logically, Well, how can a man be born when he's old? And then Jesus said again, he's going to explain it further. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. I'm not talking about flesh. I'm talking about Spirit, born of the water and of the Spirit. And don't marvel. You must be born again. So being a born again of the water and the Spirit, this was instituted by Jesus Christ. When We get to Luke chapter 24. Jesus makes some statements and he gives a commission. He tells them to go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. He says, go there and wait. He says that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name, starting in Jerusalem. They go to Jerusalem and Acts chapter 1 says they're there. They're praying in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 2, The Holy Ghost is poured out. They begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. People are confused. They can't believe it, what's happening. And Peter starts to preach. When he gets done preaching, he shows these people, all these Jewish people from all over the known world, how that they have crucified the Lord. And the Bible says they were cut to the heart. And they say to Peter and the rest of the disciples, how can we be saved? What are we going to do? And then Peter shared the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Repent, that's dying to my flesh, It's that's asking God to forgive me. It's a death. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. That's burial. That's being born again of the water. Being buried in water. Baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to be fully immersed or submerged. And how? In the name of Jesus, for the remission of sins, Peter was obeying what the Lord told him to say in Luke 24, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name, starting in Jerusalem. That's what Jesus said. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost because that Holy Ghost is the promise. It's the promise of the father. So if you want to prepare your life, you want to prepare yourself for the soon coming of the Lord that's upon us. Consider these scriptures and obey them. Repent of your sins. Be baptized, fully submerged in water in the name of Jesus calling on the name of the Lord and pray that the Lord would fill you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. He'll do that. And when it happens to you, it will be evidenced with speaking in other tongues. It's been happening since the day of Pentecost for 2,000 years, the gospel. You're sitting, you're standing, you're living at the end of time. Now is the day of salvation. It's never been closer than it is today. Believe on the Lord, repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Be born again of the water and the Spirit. We must be ready. The Lord is coming back, and we've got to be prepared.